From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ravi Mathieu, and this is FT News. Travis Kalanick is out. The driving force behind transportation app Uber has resigned after months of scandals and growing investor pressure on the company co-founder and chief executive. Joining me to discuss the latest events at the world's most highly valued startup is Andrew Hill, the FT's management editor. Andrew, you've written about Uber's rotten culture and what was required to stop it. Will Mr. Klanick's departure stop it? Well, I think the question really is how far did the rot get? And clearly in a company that's grown very fast and has taken on the characteristics of its hard-charging founder, there'll be a lot of people who were taking their lead from the chief executive and founder. It's a classic case of a startup. And there the tone is very much set from the top. So just taking him out does not, I think, necessarily deal with the underlying problem of the culture and behaviour that for which he is responsible, ultimately because he was chief executive, but more importantly, responsible because he was setting the tone of the company as a whole. And then, you know, there's a second question, of course, which is he's not entirely gone. You know, he is on the board. He is a major shareholder and therefore he remains an important influence over what happens to Uber next. There are two schools of thought. One is that his removal as chief executive will make it easier to recruit the multitude of senior positions that are vacant. Another though is that if he's still on the board that will cast a very long shadow over anyone else who comes in to run the company. I mean what's your view about that idea of the founder who's so totemic for an organization becoming a board member and still therefore remaining a a very strong voice at the company. Well, I suppose the difficulty here is that it's a private company. It hasn't gone to list yet. Lots of people thought that when or if it gets to be uh, to be an IPO candidate, uh, that Kalanick would not be the person who needed to run it, so that this might have been an inevitable step at some point in the future. What's very difficult to tell uh, is whether the board has the sufficient power to rein in Kalanick. It's taken a long time when you think of the building controversies and ending in scandal and investigation and so on. It's taken a long time to take this step. And that, to me, indicates that this was a board obviously dominated by investor pressure, which until relatively recently uh, was weighing up the huge value that he created at this company against the risk of losing him or the risk of keeping him. So I think in some cases, it's not a conventional board structure of the type you'd find at a listed company where you'd say there will be independent directors who can see in different ways what they think of the chief executive uh, who essentially serves at their pleasure. In this case, uh, you can't deny that a large part of the success of Uber uh, is also down to Kalanick. So I think an open question really about whether having taken this critical step, they follow through to try to uh, curb his influence in future. It's interesting, that founder dynamic, because Bill Gurley, who's famed venture capitalist in the Valley and a big investor in Uber and still on the board, had tweeted even today uh, to the effect that lots will be written about Mr. Klanek, but there are few entrepreneurs who've changed the world or created technology that has as much as he has. Uh, and there's an interesting management question here, though, as well. In the tech world, the founder chief executive is fetid and so instrumental to the nature of a company. But inevitably, as companies become bigger, the role of being a scrappy, boundary-pushing founder is very different than when you're running a big company as, as a CEO. Is this a case of a company growing very quickly and struggling to manage that growth? 
I think it is that. I think the speed with which Uber has grown has put a lot of strain on the company itself. But it has also probably mean that, that they have shortcut some of the things that even startups with slower growth trajectories end up imposing. I talked to an entrepreneur last week who vowed at an early point in the growth of his company that it would never uh, have an HR department. And then he eventually conceded that actually you probably do need an HR department when you can't interview all 60 or 100 people that uh, are working for you. And I think Uber grew very quickly in that respect without some of the natural curbs that would be put in place even at other quite fast-growing companies. That's one element of it. I mean, I think another another element of it uh, is that when you've got a company that is trying to do the things that Uber was doing, which require, as countless profiles and interviews with Kalanick have shown, a what he calls principled confrontation attitude, where you're going to take on the establishment, then uh, in a way you need somebody like Kalanick to be the sort of tip, the tip of the spear leading that charge. And so you've got a- another way in which it becomes difficult to dispense with him because he is the person who's leading from the front. Let's compare this to some other bigger companies, particularly ones where they have a long tradition of developing leaders internally, because one of the challenges, again, with a founder-led company is it's so bound up in the personality and leadership skills of that founder that often that next generation of leaders is hard to develop. Apple is an interesting company because, of course, Tim Cook had been a longtime employee of the company who took over from Steve Jobs, Satya Nadella at Microsoft and, and elsewhere. You've written a lot about other organizations such as GE, which have very established ways of thinking about the next generation of leadership. How does that fit versus this kind of organization? Where do those companies excel? And what does this tell us about the nature of how companies develop their leaders? Well, I guess one thing you can obviously say is that a company like General Electric that coincidentally named its next chief executive last week at the same point that uh, that Travis Kalanick said he was going to go on indefinite leave has had 125 years to develop this very careful and meticulous system of leadership uh, training and development. And the eight years or so that Uber has had is barely enough to cultivate a next generation, let alone a whole pipeline. So there's that aspect. But I think it was striking to me that in the report that was done looking into the problems at Uber, the report very clearly pointed out that one of the things that they had to put in place was mandatory leadership training, and including some pretty basic things like how to effectively set organisational goals, which you would think was a 101 leadership training. There's clearly something been missing. And again, the scale and size of Uber over a short period means that they haven't been able to do those types of things that, that GE, Unilever, other big multinationals do as a matter of course. So they're obviously two different aspects of this. On the one hand, startups, which are led by founders, and the other big organizations, which are very embedded with this process. What can one learn from the other? What can a startup that scales very quickly, what might it learn from a big established organization, big organizations that consistently develop over time, leaders after leaders after leaders? Well, I think one thing that they can learn very clearly is that there is some value in developing internal succession. And you could argue that in the latter stages of Steve Jobs' 
tenure at Apple by developing Tim Cook as a successor, he recognised that, despite the sort of turbulence of his earlier career. I think there's also an interesting, some interesting things that GE and others might learn from Uber and startups, because what's intriguing there is that they are themselves saying, recognising that they need to have leaders who are a bit more flexible, agile is the uh, word, resilience is another buzzword in that uh, area, the kind of people who can adapt very quickly to changing circumstances, which is, of course, something that we expect of startups and entrepreneurs in, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. On that note, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of leaders we get next at Uber. There's a whole raft of vacancies, and it will certainly be interesting to watch and see who follows in the very big shoes of Travis Klanick. Andrew Hill, thank you very much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.